Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, I'm joined by Sean Sykes. Sean is the newly appointed CEO of Peak Sales Recruiting. Prior to joining Peak, he was the Managing Director Americas for Avast, the global leader in digital security products for businesses and consumers. At Avast, he led revenue responsibilities for the company's SMB business in North America and Latin America. So he's an experienced senior executive with a track record of building high-performing sales organizations. We're going to talk about the biggest mistake organizations make when trying to recruit sales talent, the challenge of trying to attract and, and retain those top performers, and specific things that you can do to attract good candidates in your business. He's got amazing insight. You're going to learn a ton from Sean Sykes. Sean Sykes, welcome to the show. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Can you share with our audience something surprising about you that they may not know? I sure can. Uh, I am a Canadian, and uh, I have spent most of my career uh, living and working in the U.S., and uh, at one point, uh, I was living in Pittsburgh, and uh, we were at a father-son hockey game, and uh, I was on the boards watching the game, not skating, when one of the parents asked me why I wasn't out on the ice, and I let them know that I didn't know how to skate, so I am probably one of the the only Canadians you'll meet that uh, doesn't know how to skate. Really? And and probably after this interview, they'll revoke your citizenship. Yeah. Well, they might. I still like great Canadian beer, so maybe maybe I'm okay. Yeah, okay. And, and you, so, you still like great Canadian beer, and you can withstand the cold better than anybody else. That's right. That's right. Although that could come from Pittsburgh also, so you never know. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you never know. It's interesting. I, I, I don't go to Canada that often, and then I have these periods where I'm there – Every couple of weeks, I just got the Nexus card to get through immigration and customs faster. So now I'm looking forward to a shorter journey through Canadian immigration. Well, I tell you what, if you come, you will see uh, a large number of Steeler license plates. Steeler Nation is alive and well uh, everywhere, (laughs) even in Canada. That's funny. That's a funny. See, I'm a Washington Capitals fan. So um, we just got one of these things that you guys in Pittsburgh have had met multiple times. It's called a Stanley Cup. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad Ovi finally got uh, you know got his cup. Yeah, but we have one right now. So so though some of our some of our audience may feel that your expertise deeply lies in hockey, even though you don't skate. Um, I know it has to do with recruiting and specifically in the world of sales and executive recruiting. So what's the biggest misconception or mistake that you see organizations make when it comes to recruiting the right talent? Uh, it's a great, great question, Ian. And, you know, as, as someone that has sat in the VP chair for multiple, multiple publicly traded companies, I can tell you that uh, I learned this the hard way myself. The, the biggest mistake that organizations make, they treat sales recruiting as an event and not a business process. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, let me tell you a little bit about the market today because it, it sort of provides the context for this notion of treating things as an event versus a process. So uh, up until today, when the markets uh, they went sideways, we were, uh, and you could say we still are, experiencing massive economic growth. We've got 3% uh, in the U.S. market right now. We've got significant growth in our, our European and Asian customer base looking to expand into the U.S. market. Um, and 
with that, we're seeing massive inflows from the PE firms uh, that we do business with, and they are they are looking to to increase their Series A, Series B funding. So we're we're seeing sales organizations right now looking to double and triple the size of their forces in the next 12 to 18 months in the mid market in the enterprise uh, because the economy has been so strong. They're making investments. They're launching new products. They're creating denser coverage models, and they're looking to to enter geographies that they uh, they may not have had a presence in previously. And so organizations are uh, all at the same time they're looking to add to their uh, their sales force in a meaningful way, which is creating a a tight candidate market for salespeople. And when you you couple in uh, other trends we're seeing right now, generational shifts, 2019 is the year that we anticipate, uh, no, we don't anticipate, that it's projected that millennials, uh, there will be an equal number of millennials to boomers in the, in the workforce. And so our, our clients are coming to us now and they're talking about strategies for succession planning or how to, how to ensure that they, they maintain the, the sales capacity in these roles uh, as we start to experience some of the outcomes of this shift. And so what we find ourselves in right now is this really interesting market where we are just seeing massive growth in our business as our our current customers and new customers are looking to um, to take advantage of the the opportunity that's in front of them currently. And so many organizations, when they treat it as an event, what I'm saying there is they only think about what are the strategies they're going to employ to maintain a high-performing sales force that can meet the market, um, the market opportunities? And they say, you know, hey, we uh, we need to add one new salesperson or a couple new salespeople, or we we're going to be switching out a leader, and uh, they approach it as a one-off. And versus an organization that treats it as a process. So before these, this market got hot and before the generational shift started, they have been uh, treating this as a process. And so they have, they have structures in place. They have uh, activities in place that allow them to prepare to take advantage of, of the current environment. And so uh, as an example, uh, one of the things that organizations do that are, are, are having success, uh, they're, they're developing their networks and their, their pipelining. Uh, and so when an opening does come up or an opportunity to, to grow quickly comes, immediately they have, uh, they have a, a network uh, of, of high-performing candidates they could target. So, so let, me, let me try and boil it down into what I think I'm hearing, which is it's almost like if we use, if we use a sales analogy or sales metaphor, the idea would be, well, you're not going to increase your sales today if you wake up and say, you know, I think I'm going to boost my sales today. You need to you need to plant the seeds you can harvest down the road. And so it sounds like one of the mistakes that people make is they say, oh, I need to hire someone today. And they don't think, what have I been doing for the last six months or 18 months to build a pipeline of people we have relationships with so when we're ready – those people are more inclined to make the move to us than they would be otherwise. Is that what you're, is that what I'm getting? Absolutely. Sales is a lagging indicator. Be, you have to be proactive in your approach to to building out these these teams. Absolutely. And and what are some of the things that you've seen in terms of trends? If if you look back historically and you look at it now, when someone says, "Hey, I'm looking for someone to fill this role," are you seeing fewer? 
high quality candidates? Is it taking longer? I mean, what are some of the trends that you're seeing to get those top performers? Because obviously with low unemployment, with with a booming economy, um, it may be slim pickings, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. Um, it, you know, it, it's uh, th- there's a few issues here that, that we we're always educating our customers uh, around. And it's simply this. Um, the top performers tend to be passive. They're people that are having success currently in the job they're in. Uh, They're being rewarded financially for that success. They have some type of uh, career path that's been communicated to them effectively by senior management. And so, you know, when we we start talking about organizations that are are looking to, to add to their sales force, the portion of the population that is is participating in job boards or sending in their resumes that that aren't passive, those tend to be there, there's some good candidates in that group, but the best candidates are passive, um, and so that requires organizations to be thinking about how they're going to develop these networks, how they're pipelining. Um, to your to your point, to your question earlier, when we think about how you assess. Uh, candidates to determine, you know, who the best performers are in a market where um, uh, where labor or candidate uh, um, candidates are tight and difficult to find. People start to cut corners. It's just naturally human instinct. Uh, they, the hiring manager, the HR head, has been told that they have to get a certain number of salespeople in place before January the first, um, and uh, and that's when we start to cut corners, and and that's when um, organizations start adding people to the team to to meet these open headcounts, but not necessarily because they're the best candidates. Yeah, and and I've often said that the the top candidates, the rock star, <clears throat> just isn't looking for a job right now. They're they're crushing it. They're making a good living, and. They're not. They're not. They're not thinking to themselves. Hey, maybe I should take a risk, and instead of making a half million dollars a year where I am right now, maybe I should go to this other company, and it'll work out. And they're probably not thinking that way. They're probably thinking, "Well, I'm totally content," and it's up to a quality recruiter to help them consider that they might be better off somewhere else. Absolutely. You know, so many, so many of our customers struggle with the uh, the passive candidate because they're they're a different um, they're they're a different breed. the The passive candidate uh, is is interviewing you as much as you're interviewing them, and it requires sales leaders and HR leaders to uh, to approach to approach this conversation uh, with a different lens. And sometimes it's uh, it's a difficult uh, uh, it's a difficult seat to sit in and uh, and. As the, the the organization that's looking to to bring people in, typically feel well, we're we're great, we're a fantastic organization, we have a great pay level, and this is why you should uh, be jumping out of your your seat to want to come and work with me. When in fact, uh, there is now a whole new dynamic in place, and and they're the ones selling their organization. And in a market like this, uh, being able to to not only identify and assess top candidates. But attract them becomes so important. Um, I think there's there's three there's three things that that I would suggest to you, Ian, that would help an organization attract a, a top candidate, or at least three things you should be thinking about. Sure. And you, you talked about it earlier. The first is simply this: they're making good money where they're at. If we're typically when we're successful uh, attracting a candidate from one firm uh, to another firm, and uh, financial 
um, uh, financial considerations are the key motivator for this individual. We're typically looking at uh, providing them with a compensation plan that offers them 20% more than they're making now, or there's some sort of equity component that is compelling to them, some sort of equity uh, level that they're not realizing in their current organization. Yep. So, so, <coughs> this, it's the, so it's the 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 ability the ability to increase their income by at least twenty percent, and or some sort of equity component, is is the first of the three things. If you hate wondering if your client or prospect ever opened your email, then check out today's sponsor, MailTag.io, a Chrome browser extension for Gmail that allows you to track and schedule emails. You get real-time alerts as soon as they open your email or click a link. Try it for free for 14 days without giving your credit card. I asked them for a special offer for you, and boy, did they deliver. Just use the promo code Ian, and you can save 50% off your MailTag subscription for life. For more info, check out mailtag.io, and the link will also be in the show notes. Uh, the second consideration is career development. And so uh, we have people that uh, are individual contributors. They're at different stages in their career. Maybe they're a BDR and they've got one to two years experience. Maybe they're an account manager looking to become a, a sales leader, managing a team. Finding people uh, at certain points in their continuum and their development when they're ready and excited for that next opportunity. So the the first one is this idea of the the comp plan and an equity piece on the financial side. The second one is career development. In fact, I've had some clients where I, I it never really occurred to me, but they said, "Oh yeah, you know, during our recruiting, we would explain to people that we had engaged you to help us with our sales organization." And a number of the people who took the position said, oh, yeah, well, if if I'm getting that sort of training and that sort of mentoring, then I want to come here. And they actually used it as a recruiting tool to say, look, not only are we committed to your development, but we're actually investing in people to help take your game to the next level. And they're using it as a recruiting tool to help pull people from other companies. Absolutely. We just I just had a conversation today with uh, a firm we do business for. It's a large uh, analyst. And, you know, in talking with them, they're looking at growing their sales force by about 100 and well, over 100 people in the next 12 months. And as we started talking about hiring these various sales leadership and individual contributors roles, it required us as a group to step back and, and look at the overall structure of their sales organization and, and talk about how that may need to, to change in order to allow them to attract candidates into to roles today, but also to, to provide a, a vision on what the future can look like for them. Uh, and and that, uh, that was uh, an interesting uh, conversation, you know, one that uh, became very important for us as part of the overall search strategy. Interesting. So, so we have we have the compensation side of it, the career development. What's the third one? Well, the third is just simply culture and values. And uh, you know, many times people are working for organizations, and everyone aspires to to be an organization that talks about their people and the value they place in their people. Um, and uh, that's you know, some organizations are better than others at uh, at meeting that uh, that promise. And so many times when we talk with we talk with top sales performers and we talk about some of the candidates we're working with, the 
the candidates, the, the perception of that company in the market, their culture as an innovator or their culture uh, as uh, possibly a company that uh, has a commitment to uh, social, social good or environmental change. These things become really important and the values that the leadership within these organizations propose or support, uh, that becomes important as well because more and more for these top performers, they know that they can be successful and the compensation tends to be you know, relatively uh, competitive in, in the various sectors and the various bands and roles. And, and one of the key differentiators really starts to become, do I feel attached to the culture? Do I believe in the values of this organization? And is this something that uh, allows me to, um, to come to work every day? and feel like I'm making a difference or the company I work for is making a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think about this in my, <clears throat> in my prior business, we had offices in 12 countries around the world and I was the managing director of the overall company. And we were, we were largely a technology company and we had very low turnover. And people said, oh man, you, mu- you must pay way above the market. And I said, you know what? We really don't. But, our, but everyone who works here has this sense of autonomy. We make sure that there's a culture where we actually care about people at a personal and professional level. We, we encourage them. We, we, had, we had employees who we loved who had outgrown what we had done at a certain point in time. And we said, your next career move, as much as we hate it, might be outside of here to do the next thing you want to do. And, and other people would see that and say, Wow. You know, they'll actually help somebody find their next job if that's what's best for them. Well, this is kind of cool. I, I want to go work for a place like that. And we had such low turnover. It was interesting because when we sold the company, the investment banking people who who acquired the company, it was bizarre because they, they instantly said, well, we got to get rid of this holiday party. Why do you need a holiday party? And it's like, you're missing the point. It's part of the culture. Like, yeah. we would we – would, the the employees would vote on who, and it could be the employees or a significant other, was responsible for planning the holiday party. And we would say, here's a range of budget. You can spend up to this amount. Ideally, you spend this much. We want you to spend at least this much. Tell us what would make for a great event. Because it didn't matter what we thought as the executive leadership. What mattered was – what do the employees think about it? And I remember the, the, the chairman of the organization that acquired us says, why would I want to have dinner with these people? And I said, you mean the people that do everything that allows us to run the business? <laughs> and he said, no, no, the employees. And I'm like, yeah, you don't get it. <laughs> it, it but I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it's right now finding ways to create engagement. Engagement is is such a powerful thing on any sales force. It's a force multiplier. And and when you've when you've built that culture where people are engaged, people feel challenged and and there is this degree of accountability that you're you're just so much further ahead. I mean, it truly is a competitive advantage. And so, when we look at partnering with firms, it's funny. Uh, people call us, and uh, immediately, you know, the 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 engagement is is one of, well, sell me, tell me why peak sales recruiting can can help us, and and. We've got a whole bunch of uh, reasons why that would be the case. But what we're, we're interested in, too, is we're also interested in, you know, can we work with you? Because our interest always is not just a one and done, but how do we become an extension of your team? Um, we're so interested in creating this, this uh, what we, you know, the notion of diehard raving fans, people that continue to work for us uh 
to help with with multiple placements now and in the future. And and for us, what we're interested in, are you an employer of choice? Do you have a great culture? Do you have values that that mirror ours? And and are we going to be able to attract the best salespeople, the best sales professionals in the United States to come work with you? And and you know, if we can't, then believe it or not, sometimes you know, we'll just say to people, hey, we'd, we'd love to help you, but we don't know if we're, we're the right fit, if we can help you find what you're looking for. And that uh, culture and values is, is, is critical. It's, it's funny you say that. I had someone contact me who said, oh, I listen to your podcast and I read all your stuff and watch a bunch of videos and I'd like to see if you can help, come help my business. So I, I go on and meet with, the, meet with the CEO and he um, and so he says, I have a question for you. I said, yeah. He says, so... You know, a lot of your stuff, you talk about how it's you modernize sales and integrity is so important. What do you mean by integrity? <laughs> and I said, I said, I may not be the right person to help you. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've never had anyone ask the question, what do you mean by integrity? And he, and he literally said, well, I mean. I mean, there's certain stuff that we have to do just to get in front of people that, you know, may not be considered integrity. And I said, well, I would argue that you shouldn't do those things. <laughs> he said, well, but I think we have to. I said, that's why I'm probably not the right guy to help you. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I, the stories I could tell you, many of them I can't tell you in this podcast, but uh, we, we've, had, uh, we've had similar experiences. And of course, uh, you know, sometimes you don't find this out until the, the relationship is underway. And uh, it, really is, it really is surprising to people sometimes when they find out that, you know, you, you, you may not feel like there's, there's not a fit. And I, I think that, you know, companies should do more of that. Uh, you know, alignment was for me, alignment was always such a, such an important factor when I, when I sat in the chair as the sales leader and, and ensuring that the, the organization that I partner with, the third party search firms that were helping me build out my teams, it was always critical to me that we had alignment, that their interests and my interests were the same. And it simply was, how do we find the best performing salespeople? How do we do it as quickly as possible? And how do we find people that have uh, um, a high ethical um, level of, of commitment? Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's not such an easy thing to do. Let me, let me ask you a question that is, is taking us in a slightly different direction. So yeah. on one side, I know, that, I know that at the end of this, we're going to have a resource that people can use on the interview side for asking great questions. What I want to mm -hmm. ask you is – for people in the audience who are maybe on the sales side and maybe they're individual contributors or sales managers, what are some of the things that candidates can do to really stand out and rise to the top of the heap? Mm. You know, there's there's a number of things they can do, um, but I, I would I would sort of suggest to you that the things that that jump out. For us, as organization that's looking to identify these top performers, it's we're we know that we know that top performers. There's a few character traits about them that are consistent, and they're as follows: top performers are typically people that have had success 
over an extended period of time. They, they consistently find ways to meet or exceed plan. Uh, when, when I've worked at, at previous companies, um, I've worked in security for Avast. I've worked in, in K-12 education for Carnegie Mellon, for Carnegie Learning. And, and I always, it was always interesting to me. When I, I, think, I think a lot of other sales leaders, when they listen to this, they'll, they'll be nodding their heads saying, yep, I had that. Uh, you've always got a few reps where they're just, they're underperforming. They're, they're not the, the right caliber. You're probably thinking about how am I going to manage them out? How am I going to replace them? And typically what you end up doing is you take one of your top performers out of one of your top territories and you move them into this underperforming territory to fix it. And it takes time, but uh, they, they always find ways to overcome adversity uh, and, and hit plan, fix that, that particular market. And so what I would suggest to you we're always looking for people that can talk about past success quantitatively. Not interested in hearing about I helped develop this strategic program or I helped, um, you know, create this uh, this partner piece. What we're really interested in understanding is, did you make President's Club? Uh, we want to understand uh, what what was your performance against target, and we're typically looking at a five year period. And if we see people over a five-year period, consistently hitting or achieving plan, winning various sales awards, that's one indication of a high performer. Sure. Uh, other things candidates can do to to make themselves stand out in the process. Um, you know, one of the one of the candidates that uh, we were talking to recently um, was very excited about a particular role, and they were part of a, a larger group. And one of the things they did, and I know this sounds so simple, uh, but you would be surprised how many people don't do it. It's taking the time to investigate and, and learn more about the, the potential customer, the, 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 the potential company, um, and then being able to, to come in and, and just ask insightful questions and, and talk about at a high level some of the considerations that that particular candidate might employ when they think about developing a 90-day plan or uh, asking questions about how successful people have built their territories up and, and relating back the work that they've done in previous organizations. So, so many people come ill-prepared to talk about the space or the company. And, um, you know, when you think about it, if you're really truly excited about a role and an opportunity, you would think that a candidate would take the time to learn more about the organization, possibly develop some relationships using social platforms with hiring managers or other candidates there. And um, many people don't. Yeah. And, and I think the, the the point that I love there is, it comes down to asking great questions. And the interesting thing is that what people who sell for a living or manage salespeople for a living often overlook the fact that when they're looking for a new position, they're still in a sales role. Just the what they're selling happens to be themselves as an asset. Mm-hmm. And so all the same things in terms of connecting with people, showing a genuine interest in them, finding out what's helped them be helped other people have been successful or not successful in the past. I find those concepts move the needle in the same way. I remember um, one of my nephews, I've done this with several nieces and nephews where I help them prepare for job interviews. And in each case, it's kind of funny in each case, after they get hired, the person who hires them says, Hey, remind me, what was that question you asked again? It was such a great question. And it's kind of a funny thing because everyone thinks, well, here's what I'm going to tell them in the meeting. And it's like, you know what? 
actually, what's really going to blow them away is when you ask a great question that other candidates aren't asking. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the one of the activities we see a lot of our clients employ, and I did it myself, uh, when you've got your short list, a lot of the time we're saying to people, come in and tell us what your 90-day plan is. And what people fail to realize, you don't know enough about our company at this point. Uh, you know, maybe you've got some ideas about the industry because you're coming from a, a competitive organization or, or a peripheral competitor. But the reality is you just don't have enough context. And what we're really interested in seeing in activity is simply how do you think? And 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 and, and a real a real element of that that uh, that presentation is also it's it's the investigation and the questions that that candidate is asking and and that's where we're trying to determine um, you know what what is their 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 degree of theoretical whenever I was hiring I looked for three things are you smart are you intrinsically motivated and are you coachable and and when we get into that situation are you smart the kinds of questions you're asking absolutely that tells us that you're able to understand what the real the, the real issues are and the key points that need to be uh, further further investigated absolutely brilliant so Sean what's I, I know that you have this interview guide that that you make available and um and the URL URL I have for that is peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian. Is that right? That's correct. All right, perfect. And what's the best way for people to learn more about peak sales recruiting and to get in contact with you? Because I'm sure they'll have questions for you. Absolutely. Well, the best way to get in contact with us is simply to go to peaksalesrecruiting.com. <clears throat> we have uh, a number of different uh, methods of calling into our 800 number, uh, uh, um, signing up for, for various newsletters, or simply engaging with our sales organization. And for anyone that wants to talk with me directly, I'm always always thrilled to talk about sales and building teams. And uh, my email address is ssykes at peaksalesrecruiting.com. And we'll have all that in the show notes because it's S-S-Y-K-E-S. All right, perfect. Well, Sean, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Ian, thanks so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, don't treat sales recruiting as an event. Instead, think of it as a process where you're building a pipeline over time, just like you would in a sales organization. Also, the idea is that if you're trying to grow your organization, you're competing against people that maybe have private equity and are looking to double or triple their sales forces in the coming months. So you have to be competitive. And then those three areas that Sean talked about in terms of growing your sales organization and attracting good candidates is first, make sure that you've got a competitive compensation plan or equity component if you're trying to attract those top players, that you can demonstrate a path of career development, and that you can convey your organization's culture and values to attract the right people. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there is a topic you think I should cover or a guest I should have in the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.